I greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. The Jesus who died for us on the cross of Calvary. The Jesus who is still a topic of discussion 2,000 years after his resurrection. He's not a dead figure. Behold, there's no one in his grave. He is alive and he is standing at the right hand of God. He is atoning for our sins at this very moment. And this is the name that we call on whenever we need help, whenever we need deliverance. But even far above just help or mere deliverance, when we need salvation from our sins, we call on this very name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. This is why we identify him as a Savior, because he indeed saves us from our sins. The word says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I want to tell you, this morning, this evening, or this night, whenever you read, or you're, I'm saying reading, whenever you're listening to this, that that Jesus is a savior first, and it's very common for people to um, replace what Jesus saves us from. Right? People think that Jesus saves us from like depression, or he saves us from poverty, or he saves us from insert blank here right no brethren i want to share with you right now that first and foremost jesus christ saves us from the wrath of god okay if we don't understand that in our present state we live in in opposition to god we trigger God's wrath every single day. But the blood that was shed on that fateful mount 2,000 years ago is the only thing that atones us from that wrath. Oh, you would want to be covered by it every day if you only saw the weight of your sin, the weight that, that caused him to suffer the way he did, that caused him to die the way that he did. But thank God that it was the son of God who took that upon himself because the grave could not hold him. It could not keep him. It said, no, this does not belong here. And this is why we worship him because he is indeed risen. During this time, um, it is the feast of the Passover and um, I know people have already celebrated it um, uh, last week. But as per the Bible, as found in the book of Leviticus and Exodus, you see that the dates for the Passover are actually <laughs> this week. So I'm not going to reiterate the message of the Passover um, if you want to learn more about that, you can go back to the episode on the Passover. Or actually, I encourage you to read the Bible first. Everything that I share is honestly just supplementary. It is not the word. It is not a replacement for the word, rather. Um, yeah. So, 
Needless to say, let us invite the Holy Spirit before we begin because um, it is imperative that we do so. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us right now. An opportunity to hear and to meditate on your word. We pray that the parts of us that do not want to accept your word may die, Father. That your word and the seed that you have planted in our lives may grow. Prune and remove the parts of us that do not look like you. For your word says in the book of John that you are the vine and we are merely the branches. You prune, Father. Prune us that we may not be removed from the vine. For when we are removed from the vine, there is no life in us. It's because you are the source of life, Father. Prune us, Father, that we may bear fruit and bear it more abundantly. I pray that the Holy Spirit may speak to us at this moment, that it may convict us of the things that need conviction, and that we may be able to adjust our lives accordingly to live and walk in your way and in your word. In your mighty name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. The message I have been given to share at this time is not um, a popular message. In fact, I haven't really heard um, many sermons about this, but um, I see that it's, it's an element or a motif that God has just been highlighting over the past few months in my life. Um, the psalm is... A little bit popular you may know it um, if you don't know it I encourage you to commit this to memory it's one of those psalms that you need to have in your conscience in your memory bank so that in the day of trouble this is what your mind reaches out to right okay we're looking at Psalms chapter 19. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, they rejoice the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, they enlighten the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, it endures forever. The judgment of the Lord is true and righteous altogether. It's more valuable than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter even than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. May the Lord add a special blessing to the reading of his word. I encourage you one more time <laughs> to commit this to memory. Psalms 19 is basically Psalms 119 um, condensed into five or six verses, right? This is what Psalm 9, 119 talks about. 
It talks about God's law being perfect. This is almost a foreign concept because right now we live in a world where the law is not perfect. We live in a world where the law protects criminals. The law is not just, right? There is no justice anymore. And the reason that is, is because God's law is not being kept. There is no justice or perfect justice outside of God. So when God says, do not do this or this type of person must be put to death, when we don't practice those things, or that's not the, the standard that we use to measure justice or execution or, you know, all of these things, we don't have a baseline because we're not using God's law anymore. We're using our own law. And it's a very dangerous place to be in. It says the law is perfect. It converts the, the, the soul. God's law is so perfect that when you see it, when you read it, and when you know it, your soul is converted. The word itself transforms the soul. You become born again, right? Um, and I think this is also one of the reasons um, in earlier seasons, I've been encouraging you to read the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, because these are books of the law. In fact, from the book of Genesis to, to Deuteronomy, it's, it's honestly such a phenomenal read. Um, and not only that, you get to see who God is as, as a parent who wants structure and order in his creation. And you keep seeing how he, he instructs his people to behave so that there is this level of order that he wants, right? And I mean, there were so many times where I was reading the book of Deuteronomy and there were things that that book was mentioning that I didn't even know um, were sins or were things that God didn't want. You get what I mean? And when I came face to face with, oh my gosh, I do this. I do this. I didn't think that there was anything wrong with this. And the word is literally telling me, don't do this. Anyone who does this, this is the punishment for them. When when you come face to face with that mirror, it's, it's almost all your sins like re reflected back at you. And then when you look at the punishment for the sin, um, I mean, insert blank, really, because we, we all practice different sins. We've all offended God in various ways, right? Um, when, when you see the punishment of those sins, most of them are death, right? It says, he who practices witchcraft, you shall not suffer a witch to live in Israel. Imagine how many people have been practicing witchcraft and idolatry who are still alive right now, right? Those, most of those things, all of those things, in fact, have a sentence of death over them. And this is what is so important because that sentence of death is what Jesus steps in and takes, right? So that we can have life through him. Um, 
And this is this is the part of the law actively converting the soul. But then it's not going to convert your soul if you don't know what the law is, right? Hence, Paul says, how would I know not to covet if the law had not said, do not covet? So it is imperative that if you want to begin the journey of a soul conversion, you have to know what the law is. How do you know what the law is? Begin from Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You yield everything else that you thought you know before that. You yield everything that you thought science taught you, that you thought physicists know, or astronomers or whatever, all these people um, who will tell you that the the world came into being whatever many billion years ago and you submit yourself to in the beginning god created heaven and earth because everything else won't make sense if you do not yield to genesis 1 verse 1 and when you keep reading and you come across the law i encourage you to to read it in fact I bet, <laughs> I'm not a betting person, but I'm going, I could take this bet that you cannot read the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and not find something that you have actively practiced. If you have, send me an email. Let's talk about it because there is something divine about you. And honestly, I'd love to explore that. But the, it, it's just impossible. You know what I mean? Like, there is no way. There is no way. And so it's important to know where it is in our lives. Um, we're out of bounds. Not because we can ever be perfect in keeping the law. Please don't get me wrong. I know a lot of people want, would jump at the opportunity to say that I'm trying to emphasize keeping the law to the T. No, the point is to see where we are out of bounds. The law is what's keeping us. The law is the parameter. And it's like, oh, I've been out of bounds with God in this area of my life. Let me rein that in. And that's the the work that the Holy Spirit does. But I do think it's important that we... um that we even know for how do I know not to covet if the law does not tell me do not covet. So we need to know what the law is. That's all I'm emphasizing. It says the testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes the wise simple. Now, what is the testimony? The book of Isaiah says to the law of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That's that's a verse that speaks on how we discern. If people do not speak according to the word of God, there is no light of God in them. Right. Making wise simple. What is this? What does this mean? This testimony and this law gives us skill in living. And this skill in living um, speaks to 
Hmm, how can I put this? Okay, let's look at let's look at Daniel quickly. Remember when um the king's men the princes were trying to look for something to accuse Daniel of because they hated him. They hated how much the king loved him. And when when they observed him because of the way he carried himself, what does the word say? The word says they could not find anything to hold against him. So they had to use God against him. Or they had to try and concoct a situation where he would have to either deny his God or die, right? And the reason that was the situation is because when you live the way God um, instructs you to live, people cannot find anything to accuse you of because you're not stealing they leave a lot of money in front of you or they leave valuables in front of you possessions and you don't steal it they try to tempt you with prostituting yourself um, so that you can go on lavish trips and you know have enough money to do this that and the third but then you don't do that because the word says flee sexual immorality they try to dangle all these carrots, but then it doesn't work on you because of what the law has told you. And so you stay away from those things because God said not to do them. But then now because you're staying away from those things, they cannot access you. And it frustrates them so much. They literally just, <laughs> they just like, you know what? We can't find anything against this person. We have to use his God against him, right? Let's carry on. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. What is a statute? A statute is a doctrine, okay? This statute is right. It is true. His doctrine is true. And when you hear it, it rejoices the heart. This means that scripture is joy. Scripture is our joy. And when we know the law and we live out this testimony in the way that we navigate the world, it becomes our joy. Think about how, how happy and, and at peace we are because of the things that God's law has protected us from. Those who know will know those who have ears will hear what has just been said the next one says the commandment of the lord is pure it enlightens the eyes the commandments oh we have 10 plus 2 but it's really just two commandments it's really love the lord your god with all your heart your mind your soul and your body right and love your neighbor as you do yourself this is the purest commandment. You cannot love God if he is not first and foremost in your life. You cannot love God if you have idols in your life. You cannot love God if you speak amiss. You cannot love God if you do not rest when he has told you to rest. You cannot love your neighbor if you do not honor your parents. You cannot love your neighbor if you kill, steal, commit adultery. 
if you covet the things that they have, right? So the law that is 10 commandments is easily condensed into two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as you do yourself, right? You don't steal from someone you love. You don't murder someone you love. This commandment is so pure, it enlightens the eyes. When you know the commandment of God, there is a certain level of clarity that you get. Everything starts to make sense because we get it. When people start to live outside of God's law and they talk about how miserable they are, and they just don't know what it is. Why are we so depressed? Why is, you know, it? I get it. It, it makes sense. It's because you've removed yourself from God. You know what I mean? The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. Oh, what is the fear of the Lord? <laughs> that is a very broad topic that I do not have the time to get into now. But Worshipping God and fearing God is clean. It is not corrupt. It is, it is something that endures forever. It doesn't have a time limit, right? It is eternal. It does not need to be updated. I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, Christianity is updated. We need like more modern religions. We need to embrace more modern things like Buddhism or, you know, Eastern religions. And it's like, no, my love, no. The fear of the Lord endures forever. It will not change. It does not change. The judgment of the Lord is true and righteous altogether. This is another deep one that I just, I, I, I can't wait for eternity when we actually have an eternity to just be with the word. Because you really just need, that's the, that's the amount of time you need to dissect this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, God's judgment is true. It's righteous. And the psalmist goes on to talk about how this law, this testimony, these statutes, this commandment, this fear and this judgment is more valuable than gold. Than the finest gold. It's more valuable than any possession we could ever accumulate on this side of heaven. It's more valuable than the finest pearls, than the finest branded clothing or whatever. Like, you know, insert whatever you add or think is valuable. God's law is so much more valuable than that. And it says that it is sweeter than honey. I mean, in, in the time of Israel, honey was the sweetest thing. And it says that God's law is, is sweeter than this thing. He concludes it by saying that, Moreover, by them 
is your servant warned? By God's law, you are warned. Okay? So God's law tells you not to do this. That is the warning. Him telling you that this he doesn't want is the warning. All right? And when you keep them, when you honor that warning, when you keep and you hold that to a high regard, you esteem that. There is great reward. There is great reward. In keeping them, in keeping this law, in keeping this testimony, this, these commandments, this fear, right? These statutes. There is a great reward. What is that great reward? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the reward is the sun. The reward is being covered by his blood. The reward is not having to die for our own transgressions. The reward is a blank check because the bill has already been paid. The reward is eternal life. The reward is an existence that is not separated from God. And I know that when people think about heaven, they get excited about walking on streets of gold and water that is as clear as crystal. And, you know, I put it to you, brethren, that the most exciting thing about heaven is the fact that we get to be with Jesus Christ. Lord. We get to be with this man who came to this earth to die for us. I don't know, guys. You know how in when we watch movies, there's that trope of um, someone jumping in front of the bullet to save a family member or a loved one, right? Or even a stranger. Whenever a superhero saves someone, that feeling that the person that has been saved has is almost like, oh my gosh, you saved my life. You know, I owe everything to you. There's a certain level of devotion that you have to God when you realize that he has indeed saved you from the clutches of death. God is not trying to save you from poverty, loneliness, or whatever the world is trying, or these false preachers are trying to, to sell you. He's trying to save you from the death of this world. This world is dying. I'm sure if you look around, you see just how dysfunctional everything is. And the reason it is so dysfunctional is because people are not living the way God has designed us to live. And so just like, I don't know if you guys have seen um, like time-lapse fruit, like when you take fruit off the tree, or grapes off the vine and you watch a time-lapse video of that you see how life is sucked out of it a grape becoming a raisin is not god's design 
God didn't create that, <laughs> right? He designed the grape. The grape has fruit in it. It has water in it. Oh, that's a word right there, but I'm not there. <laughs> it has water in it and water has life in it. But we're so used to things that don't have life in them. And unfortunately, this is not a sustainable way to live, right? And so I pray that um, <laughs> we commit these things to memory. We commit this way of life to memory because in keeping them, we are warned and there is a great reward. Not that we're doing this because of the reward you know it's like oh i want to do this because i want to walk on the streets of gold or i want no no it's actually the least we can do paul says i beseech you brethren that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service keeping god's law is the part of us that needs to die every day because we don't want to keep the law right <laughs> naturally our flesh does not want to do god's will and that's the part of us that needs to die every single day so in this moment i encourage you for those who don't know what the law is um obviously i have to preface this because i know how people are oh, we're not saved by the law. i'm not saying we're saved by the law but i'm saying that in keeping it you're say you're being protected from a lot of unpleasant things so go through the law read where you are out of bounds and ask the holy spirit to help you because this is not something we can do on our own i i can attest that there is a lot of places where i'm also out of bounds i'm not speaking as one who has mastered the art of walking um worthy of this vocation right but it is imperative that we are constantly checking our step we need to do a self-audit all the time so yeah that's the word i've been given to share with you guys i hope the holy spirit may convict those who are ready and those who are his because at the end of the day um many are called but few are chosen many have ears but not all hear many have eyes but not all see so i pray that those with eyes may see and that those with ears may hear and that the holy spirit may do what the holy spirit does best um, may the lord add a special blessing to the reading of his word amen <laughs>